know that? Yesterday, my true love had to give me five golden rings. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, the first day of Christmas is, of course, Christmas. And now we are on the sixth day of Christmas, of my true love. And, and I got reminded of that by uh, Brother Cossey, um, one of my teachers from Lee. And uh, he just retired from working in Cleveland. And so um, he's back as a Razorback. He's back being a Razorback there in Arkansas. And so, um, but now he's doing um, church. Um, he's coming alongside of churches to help him with church growth things. And so it's really cool. And uh, I got to always be careful how I spell things on Facebook because he'll always correct it. And so um, that's the teacher in him. So, but he reminded everybody, why are Christians so quick to take down Christmas decorations? He says, <laughs> we're right in the middle of the 12 days of Christmas. And so, um, praise God. Uh, it's so pretty. Because pretty soon, all the lights will be turned out on main streets. And um, everything will be just back to being a blah January. So let's enjoy the pretty lights. Let's uh, keep, but let's keep ringing Jesus in our hearts. So because of this, I'm going to relight the candles here. Of course, the, this little white one always gives me... And I, there's a reason why I'm doing this, is because throughout... The Christmas season, I have preached about what each candle is. And the middle candle, we usually light on Christmas Eve, and we all get excited because that means we're going to be doing the candle light service part of the service. And he's going to use that to light the, his candle and all that. But we don't look at the significance because Jesus is both represented by the Christ candle. That's the whole thing. It's the Christ candle giving light into the world. Yeah, you can go to the next one. That's okay. We've been working her hard today and her sugars went down. So it's the Christ candle. But the thing about it is what do we find there? The candles around it represent hope, right? It represents love. It represents joy. And it represents peace. But those aren't really separate from Christ. Because all are found in Jesus. Your hope, love, joy, and peace are all found in the Lord. For, you know, the famous verse I always use in tough times is God will give us his, his peace that goes beyond our understanding, which is in what? Christ Jesus. And see, he can take the worst situation and give you peace. He can give you... Joy is not just happiness. People think joy is just happiness. I'm just happy. No, you can be miserably sad and have joy. That doesn't make sense. No, joy comes knowing that Jesus is in charge of it all. Joy comes from knowing that Jesus got it in his hands. Joy comes knowing that even when you mess up, he is there for you. My, the, the church clerk leaned over to me today and reminded me of something. She said to me, you know, God gets his tithe one way or another. 
You see, you can still have joy when you don't tithe because God still gets his tithe out of you. Either does it the easy way or the hard way. When you don't pay your tithes, he does it the hard way. And then you wish, I'll give you an example. Brother Callahan, in that church that I was talking about, that we were in the middle of the revival. Brother Callahan came back to the Lord, big guy. His water pump went out on his well. So Brother Callahan walked up to me on a Sunday, and he says, Pastor! Yes, Brother Callahan? I want to shake your hand. So he shook my hand, and up came from his hand a check. He said, that's my ties, Pastor. He said, I did something stupid. I said, what, Brother Callahan? I didn't pay my tithes because my water pump went out. Because it was expensive. So I went to the wholesaler and I paid, took my tithes and I bought a new water pump for my well. Oh. You got to understand, Brother Callahan, he was different. He was a bachelor at this time. So his wood shop was in his living room. Wood shavings all over the place. He would make whirly gigs for the ladies to sell at their um, yard sale every year to make money for the oil, for the oil drum. And so I, I went ahead and I bought that new water pump. And I got it home to go and install it. And guess what? God fixed my old water pump and it was working. But pastor, I bought my water pump, my new one, from a wholesaler. And I can't take it back. And God's neck, his words, smacked me upside the head and said, see, this will teach you to not use your ties. Put your ties where they belong. He says, so I'm making up for it. Here, pastor, here's my tithe. He said, I'm still stuck with the water pump, but praise God, I'm not going to play that game again because, oh. Brother Callahan, because he had gotten away from the Lord, had to be taught such lessons. But I'll tell you what, he was an amazing man of God. There was times a, the gift of wisdom would come upon him and you knew it was the gift of wisdom because he had no common sense. And all of a sudden, those eyes would become bright and alert because he was an old man when I knew him. And he would say something and all the rest of the men would go, oh, that had to be God because that wasn't coming out of his mouth. And so um, it was awesome. We love Brother Callahan. But joy, love, Jesus is love. When you get Jesus in you, you get the greatest gift of love that ever was given. And we talked about that. For God so loved the world, he gave what? Jesus, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then Jesus is our hope. Our hope that eternal life is ours. Our hope that we have been forgiven. He is our hope. Jesus said to Thomas, you know, more blessed is those who haven't seen like you have, but just have faith to believe the testimony. Now that's my way of translating what Jesus said from how he said it to Thomas. 
Because did we see him actually die? No. Did we see him actually rise? No. But how do we know? Because when we accepted Jesus into our hearts, what happened? We know that he is risen. Right? No matter what men may say, I know he is alive. Why? Because he lives within my heart. Everything became real. So let's get into the word here this morning. Let's go to the... Let's look here, John chapter 1 and verse 29. And it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lord, I just thank you and I praise you for your anointing this morning. Lord, let these words penetrate our hearts and minds. Lord, help us to learn to serve you better. Help us to learn, Lord, to make, take seriously the priorities you have set for our lives, especially this coming year. Help us, Lord, to stop putting ourselves first, but put you first, Lord. Oh, Lord, we love you. And we praise you, Lord. Lord, use us in this coming year. And Lord, help us to point others to the Lamb of God. We thank you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. John, who's, John had to get his priorities right. He couldn't be the forerunner of Jesus if, his priorities, if he put himself first. If he had put himself first, he would have never preached against uh, old King Cole there, huh? Old Herod. He wouldn't have lost his head. He would have said, oh, Herod, it don't matter that you're living with your brother's wife, that you took her and married her and... It's okay that, you know, God's grace will just cover it all up. No, John's priority was put God first. Herod, you rotten sinner, you! You need to get saved! Let me tell you, the Messiah is coming and you better get your life. You better repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand! Herodias' wife couldn't stand Herod. I mean, he couldn't stand John. Oh, he's calling me a sinner. Why did you have to put him in the dungeon? I can hear his voice every day yelling from the dungeon. You sinners, you! Unwashed! Pagans, you! You're as bad as your father! Oh, John. Jesus called him the greatest of all the prophets. And we only have a few of his words. And the greatest thing that John ever said was, there's the Lamb of God. There's the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Go to the next slide. You see, this is the reality that, we need to, that needs to be embraced. This is the reality that needs to be embraced today. 
There's the Lamb of God. We have Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's the reality. And why don't we shout it from the mountaintops? Don't tell it on the mountain we sing at this time of year. Oh, yeah, that's a good, that's a nice story. Ho, 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 and all that stuff. <laughs> it is only Jesus, the Lamb of God, who can take away the sins of the world. Do we believe that? Will you behold him? And you're saying you're preaching to the choir, but you know what? The choir needs to be preached to. Will we behold him? Oh, we used to sing, love singing that song. We will behold him. And we can still hear Sandy Patty just, and Lionel Harrison is just building and building and building. And we all go, oh, praise God. But you know what? We better behold him now before we behold him then. We're always thinking, oh, I'm going to behold him when Jesus comes again. No, we better start beholding him now. I had a little girl come to, to, oh, put me on the spot at youth camp. Oh, my word. Talk about getting put on the spot. We were at Camp Jim just outside of Brainerd. And this little girl was going through all sorts of tests with the doctor. Had a, her parents had to stay at youth camp. She slept in their van with her parents because of her health. And she was going to leave the next day before youth camp was over with. And she said to her parents with, that Jesus said he was going to show himself to me before we leave youth camp. So who do they pick on? They come to me. <laughs> Brother! We don't know what to do. Our daughter says that Jesus is going to show himself to her before he left. we leave. And we're leaving in the morning. What do we do? And all I could do is say within myself to the Lord, Help! How do I answer this one? I said, Lord, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to reveal how this one's going to be answered. And I said, Let me pray about this. So, we're in children's church. <clears throat> the spirit is fallen. <laughs> the funny thing is, the spirit was falling in spite of our speaker. We had a speaker who had worked as the children's pastor for one of the most famous preachers up in these neck of the woods. And I won't mention his names because I don't want to... And this guy didn't believe that children could pray for each other. You should be doing this. And I said, why not? In our youth camps in Minnesota, our kids would get visions from the Lord. And you don't want them to have these things? And you don't want them laying hands on each other and getting filled with the... And, and kids laying hands on each other and kids getting filled with the Spirit all over the place. I mean, it was amazing. It was so easy to get people filled in the Spirit in those children church services. Goes back to my problem. Altars are full. Kids are being slain. <laughs> Jesus hasn't come in physical form. <laughs> They're getting ready to go back to the van and start packing up and getting ready to leave for the morning. 
<laughs> they come to me again. Um, what do we do? So I took the little girl and I, I said, Lord, you're going to have to give me wisdom. You're going to have to give me a word of knowledge or something. And I took her down and all of a sudden the Spirit came upon me. And I looked at her and I says, you said Jesus was going to show, show up. He has. But where is He? I said, look. I said, look over there. There He is. Little girl with stammering lips laying on the floor speaking in tongues for the first time. Look over there. So another little kid being prayed for. And, and God, you could just see the Holy Spirit just um, coming upon them. I said, there he is over there. And all of a sudden with tears in her eyes, she says, I see him. Are we willing to behold him now? If we would truly behold him and be that remnant that God is looking for, we would have a bigger remnant in our church. We would see less of our blue seats and we'd probably have to put them all up. And we still be a remnant in this day and age. There are people who are hungry for Jesus in our community. Hungry for an old-fashioned move of the Holy Spirit. And I know I'm old-fashioned in my preaching a lot. I don't preach psychology from the pulpit and I don't go ahead and tell you, I gotta, I, I've got the new, brand new revelation here from God. No, because I learned a long time ago there's nothing new under the sun and it don't belong to me. There's a guy on Facebook who won't let you share his stuff because you should be, when you share my stuff, you should be quoting me, saying it's mine. And I'm going, wait a second, you're quoting the Bible. It's not yours, it's his. I knew a preacher, I knew a preacher up in Maine. He went to a to a Bible conference and the guy says, turn those recorders off and stop taking notes. You have to buy my stuff out in the lobby. And the pastor just got up and left because he says it didn't belong to you in the first place. It belonged to the Lord. It was the Lord who revealed it to your heart. Who do you think you, that it all, you own it all? It belongs to Jesus. He's the one who revealed it to you. Are we going to behold him? Behold the Lamb of God. You know, John said that to a bunch of, bunch of believers who were his disciples. And only two followed after Jesus. And when they met Jesus, only one became his follower. That's pretty bad. That sounds like the church today. That sounds like how the church is right now. One person ending up being the remnant. Why isn't the church flocking? Behold the Lamb of God. There He is. I want Him so much. I want revival in my life. I want to see the power of God moving in my life again. Or maybe for the first time. Let's go over to John chapter 3. I've been on John chapter 3 a lot lately. John chapter 3. Jesus says, unless one is born again, what does it say here? There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher. Uh, wait a second. They knew. Doesn't it say that they knew? 
we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. We see the evidence. Nicodemus, Jesus said to him, you know, I love Jesus. Well, let me not get ahead of myself, but I do love Jesus. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Did you notice something? He didn't get all puffed up, Jesus, and say, thank you, Nicodemus. Now, if you just go ahead and buy my new book. He didn't do that, did he? Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So let's look at this. Let's go to the next slide. Unless one is born again, you know, we know, he says. You know what? We have a lot of Pharisees in the church today. We know. We know. We see the miracles you do, Jesus. We know. But have we put our faith in him? Is our faith first in Jesus and then everything else? Well, well, how, why do you say that? Because how many times do we run to the doctor first instead of going to Jesus first? I hear it all the time. Why doesn't God do the miracles here like he does overseas? Because overseas they put him, they have faith in him first before they do in the doctor. And besides overseas, a lot of those places, the only doctor around is a witch doctor, and they're not going to a devil. And the doctor might be 50 miles away or 100 miles away, and they don't have a vehicle. But here, oh my word, what do we do? We run to the dock first. God wants to bring healing to us. I listened to one preacher, and he was pretty hard the other day. Because I have people come up in the services all the time and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Sure, I'll pray for you. Pastor, they want to replace my knee. Pray that the Lord will heal my knee. Well, I'll pray for you, but I'm also going to pray that the spirit of gluttony come off of you. Because if you just would get, lose some weight. And eat healthy. You probably wouldn't need it to get the thing replaced in the first place. Now that's harsh. He said, I don't say it from when I'm standing there praying for him. I'm awful thinking of it. I had a teacher in Bible college once. He used to have these two people. He pastored at the same time as he was teaching school. And he used to get these two people coming up all the time for prayer for the same thing. And the elders were getting tired of praying for them. And so was he. And they would come up. Oh, pastor, pray that the cobwebs would leave my mind. And I'd pray for them and everything would be fine. And then they'd be coming back and now again for the same thing. Since I got sick and tired of praying for the cobwebs. So I said, Lord... Clean out these cobwebs, but kill the spider that keeps making them. Another guy came. Oh, Lord, I feel so... Pastor, I feel so empty. Week after week, I feel so empty. So I, 
I just said out loud. He said, I don't know what came over me. He says, Lord, will you fix the holes in his bucket? Just too many times we don't deal with the thing that's causing the problem. And we don't have faith to believe that God can fix it. We need to have faith. Have we put our faith in him? And I love what Jesus did to Nicodemus. We know you are a man sent from God. Nobody can do what you do. And, but Jesus didn't go, go to what he, he just ignored him. And went right to the heart of the problem, didn't he? I love Jesus. He goes always to the heart of the problem if we would just listen to him. But no, we get comfortable, we go to sleep. We get comfortable, we ignore them. Lord's trying to speak to us in that still small voice of his, and we just ignore it, because we know better. Oops. I didn't mean to say it that way, but it just came out that way. But we do. We act like we know better, all of us, including the man standing in the pulpit sometimes. Come on. Oh, Paul, your great learning has made you mad. No, my great learning of the Word of God has straightened me out. Because <laughs> the Spirit of God had gotten a hold of me. <laughs> if anything that made me mad, it was when Jesus knocked me on my backside and straightened me out. But you know what? Verse 4 talks about a how. Nicodemus says, how can this be? It's still a question that's being asked by people. People are still asking, how is this possible that I can be born again? Can I get back in my... This is such a funny picture, Hal. Be like you going to your mother. and She's not even around anymore. You'd have to dig her up, right? (laughs) Well, it's the truth, right? I mean, come on. And and there's no way you're going to do that. So how in the world can I be born again? My mom's dead. Right? I mean, really, that's what Nicodemus... Here's what really Nicodemus says. Can I crawl back up into my mother's womb and be born again out of her? Look how big I am. I'm too tall for that. I was a little baby when I came out the first... How in the world can I get back in my mother's... Jesus just shakes his head. You know, there's a lot of people out around us in our community are asking, how in the world can I get born again? Are we going to give them the answer? Or are we going to keep it to ourselves? The problem is the church in, in Wapit and Breckenridge keeps it to themselves. We, don't, we hope every church in town, I don't care who, what name is on the building, Church of God, Assembly of God, Lutheran, Baptist, we're all hoping somebody's just going to wander into our building. And we all get excited. Ah, somebody wandered into our building. Yay! We're not the only ones who do that. We should go yay when somebody wanders into our building. Oh, praise God. We love new people. We love that stuff's here. My word, I would hate to see you going through everything alone. And I'm glad you got some friends, too. She didn't have to drive herself last night. That was cool. But are we going to tell people how? There's people in our community that wonder how they can get saved, but the church is so weird, they're not going to darken our doorstep. Let me put it this way. 
Things have changed in our church, so I can't really say it this, that is for certain. But most of you here wouldn't understand what it'd be like to walk into a bar at 2 in the morning in Wapenden and Breckenridge. As a Christian, you'd be too afraid to walk into Grumpy's at that time in the morning. It'd be odd. What do I do? Except for laughing at the drunks falling down at the bar. It'd be odd to us. You know how many people who want to know how to get born again in our community? It's odd to them. They don't know what to do if they went to church. And which one should I go to? We need to help them. The majority of the folks want to know how to get saved, but they're too afraid to ask. However, there's 5%. You'll love the video that Corey will be showing us with our new... Um, system because the one of the people when they go out to do what i'm going to ask you to do runs into the five percent right away and the cool thing is once they push past the five percent and boy you ask for a five percenter the first lady she runs into is it you're going to recognize her as somebody in our community because you run into them you know she pushed past that person said well praise god that's okay Love you anyway. And, walk, and the rest of the people, they all are accepting. You see, the thing is, when Satan wants to discourage us, he always brings the 5% and throws them in our face. We just got to get past them. Well, that's one of those 5% who don't ever want to get saved. They're happy. But what about the rest of them? What about the 95% of them? The others? Oh, but pastor, I don't want to, I don't want, I got to be gracious. No, you're not being gracious if you're not telling them about Jesus. Only by, you see, the problem with that saying, I have to be gracious, is this. The only way you can have grace is by Jesus. So if you're not telling them about Jesus, you're not being gracious. Well... Let's go to the next slide. Why do people still marvel they must be born again? This is a good question. It's right here in the Word. John 3, 5 says, Jesus answered, More surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So, let's answer the question here. Why do, some, why do people still marvel that they must be born again? Hey, good. She's caught on. She must be feeling a little bit better. <laughs> It's not fun having your blood sugars go. First thing I had to do before she got her sugar was pray for her. And by the way, I am believing that 2019 is going to be a year of miracles for you, girl. I was praying about that while Jason was doing his thing. Why do some people, why do people still marvel they must be born again? Well, first of all, some are happy in their sins. 
Some just are just happy in their sins. They just love their sins. Oh, I just love having my sin. It is the, oh, I'm not going to give up my sin for nothing. And if you try, I'm going to fight you for it. Right? Man, we know them. Oh, my word. We are so grateful that my father-in-law got saved before he left this world because he was one of those. There's nothing wrong with me. I don't sin. Besides, I'm happy. Happy? <laughs> my darling wife looked at him, but Daddy, <laughs> I want you in heaven with me. She did her part. Her sister did her part. Her auntie and uncle did their part. And Judy was praying and wishes, oh, why didn't he get saved before this? <laughs> but at least he's in heaven. Some are just happy in their sin. They just, they just, they love being miserable. Come on. Another group, some are blind to the reality of their sin. Oh, by the way, the happy ones in their sin, I remember somebody getting up in the Oprah show. Remember when Oprah had her show on the air? And they started quoting the Bible. She said, don't you quote that Bible in here. We don't need to hear that. Because, you know, she's her own high priestess of her own religion. We don't need to hear that. And yet she always says she's a good Christian. If you're a good Christian, you want to hear the Word of God. So she's happy in her sin. She thinks that she's got, the only, she's got a path to heaven and everybody who follows her is going to go with her. Boy, she's going to be mistaken. Some are blind to the reality of their sins. There's a lot of people in our community who are blind that they're even sinners. Don't you meet them at work? Oh, I do good works. My word, I give to St. Jude every year when they do that. When they put that commercial on, I get so, I feel so bad I have to write a check. And then those dog commercials. Oh, they go on and on. By the time they're done, I'm just teary-eyed. I got to write a check out to save the doggies. <laughs> My word, I have to change the channel come back hoping the movie's back up. Oh, it's still going. How long is that stupid commercial? <sighs> now save the snow leopard. You know what? I'll start giving to, the, to them when they start saving babies in the womb. There you go. When all... Yeah, they, 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 I don't understand. When you devaluate life, you're going to devaluate all life. We need to help them understand that they're sinners. Paul thought he was doing right for God. Man, God must be pleased with me. I'm arresting Christians. I'm beating them up. I'm taking away their children from them. I'm, oh my word, I'm confiscating everything they have. I'm doing, look what I'm doing for God. Boom. Um, Paul, why are you kicking against the pricks? What? I'm not doing for you? Nope. Lastly, some don't feel worthy 
And this is the sad one. Some don't feel worthy that God could love them. Oh, he can love others, yes. But not me. You know what? I meet those people a lot. I meet a lot of people. And, and some of you have such big hearts, you should be reaching those folks. Because you have such big hearts, you can explain how God can love them. But we don't see them because we don't open up our eyes. Are we beholding Him who will reveal those around us, who will give us those divine appointments to tell them that Jesus loves them? Go to the next slide. Jesus came and died for everyone so all could be saved. So that all could be saved. Not everyone chooses to be saved, but he came so that all could be saved. What did he make, the what did he make hell for? It was for the devil and his angels. The Bible says that God doesn't want anybody to perish, but all to come to repentance. But not all... See... The misnomer is the devil has lied to people. Oh, God, I'll send you to hell. No, God doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves to hell when we reject Jesus. He don't have to send us to hell because we rejected Jesus. And the problem is most people don't... Most pe let me say this. Most Christians don't believe that hell is real today. You saw in your last evangel, I believe it was the last one here for Christmas, or it was the one for Thanksgiving, it had the statistics, how many Christians who call themselves Christians don't believe in hell or that there isn't even a devil. And how many times did Jesus talk about hell in the, in the Gospels? I, God doesn't want anybody to go there. So Jesus came and died for everyone so all could be saved. It is up to us to share the good news that they can be born again if they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. What did Jesus tell us to do? Go preach to every creature. Preach the gospel to every creature, he said. Go make disciples. He was not just talking to the twelve it was up to everyone to share the good news. And we can do it. Why did he tell them to wait in Jerusalem? Be filled with power from on high. We can do it if we rely on the Holy Spirit. It's not always easy, is it? Sometimes it's scary to go out and start. But if we would rely on the Holy Spirit, for he will fill us with the right words to say. That's why he gives us the, that's why, what was the first signs, the first gift given by the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? They all spoke in what? Tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. And they all jumped out of the upper room, ran all over the city praising God and 
while they were speaking in tongues, they were preaching about Jesus and salvation. And Why? Because the Holy Spirit wanted to show them and us, I will fill your mouth with the right words to say. Rely on me. Yeah, and they heard them speaking in their own languages. And these were languages these fellas and ladies never studied. They didn't know what they were saying. They were speaking in tongues. I remember being at Faith Tabernacle in Chicago. We had somebody give a message in tongues and the interpretation in tongues. And there was somebody who got saved that day that was visiting from France. Why? Because they heard the language, the prayer language, that tongue coming out, and it was perfect French, and the person never studied French. And the interpreter didn't know that it was French when they gave the interpretation, but it caused the person to get saved because they could see the Spirit of God because they said, do you know French? No, I didn't know I was speaking French. And the person who gave the interpretation was spot on. And when they went out front, they said, do you know how to speak? Because it was one of the counselors for the people coming up front. Do you know how to speak French? No, I didn't even know that was French. And the person fell on their knees and got saved. Because the message that was given was given right to their heart. Because the Holy Spirit knew that person. That was their chance to get saved that day. And they gave their heart to Jesus. Will we rely on the Spirit of God? Oh, but pastor, that was just for those... No, it's for today. Jesus is still the same as he was what? Yesterday, as he is today, as he will be tomorrow. We don't preach that enough in the church today. He is the same. And he still wants... There's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And we need to help people to understand that. We need to get them saved. And who cares if they call us holy rollers? Oh, praise God. Who cares if they call us old-fashioned? Praise God. I'd rather be old-fashioned and get people saved and getting them to heaven than being so seeker-friendly that nobody gets saved. Because you know what? God's still filling churches that will preach the truth of the Word of God and stand on it. And I'm not saying we're the only life-given church in this community. There's a couple other ones. But you know what? I want to... St I, can't, I can't do anything about what's going on. they got their own pastors. But when, in this house, I want to see us get revival. I want to see the Spirit of God start moving. I want us to start... And, and besides that, I am so sick... That, that, that prophecy from years ago, whopping in and Breckenridge is not going to see revival until the church of God sees revival in this community. Well, my word, let's have at it. Lord, have your way. Do what you used to do and even better than that. My word, people used to walk through the doors of our, the threshold of our doors in our early days of our church. They come in, they start walking into church sick, and as soon as their foot hit the threshold, they were healed, wonderfully healed in the name of Jesus. God would do so many things. People would come and get saved. We had a family, part of them are now over at the assemblies. They helped start the assemblies over there. But they came to our church, they snuck 
All the kids snuck over to the revival that was happening at the Church of God. Oh, my words, because they were all Methodists and they didn't want to get in trouble with Mama and Daddy. And they started sneaking over to the Church of God for the revival. And they started coming over every Sunday to church and they all got saved and all filled with the Holy Ghost. But they were afraid of what Mama and Daddy would get mad at them. And all of a sudden... Problem was, mom and daddy weren't going to church. One day, the Methodist pastor stopped out at the house and said, uh, Is there a problem? What do you mean, pastor? Well, we haven't been seeing the kids in church. <laughs> what? They've been leaving here to go to church, and they were going to church almost every night. We weren't having any services. Mom and dad called the kids together. And Genevieve told me, she says, oh, we told Mama and Daddy about what was going on in the Church of God. And next thing we know, Mom and Dad are getting saved and coming to church with us, getting filled with the Holy Ghost. We were done being Methodists. Oh, hallelujah. But you know what? We can't live in the past. We can't live in some glory days. Because you know what? Those folks back then would be saying, hey, come on, wake up. What are you doing? That old grandpa that attended our church. And all the youth wanted to hang out at his house and go there for communion and have him pray for him. The youth would go over to his house just to get prayed for. Would be looking at us and saying, what are you doing for Jesus? And most of those people back in those days, they would walk to church for blocks because they didn't have vehicles. They'd just get up and start walking to church and get to church. And then after church, they would walk past here and just go down a little ways to the poorhouse and go minister. And it could be 20 below, but they never felt the cold because they were on a mission for Jesus. And they would get done ministering at the poorhouse and they walk back up and go on home and then come back for Sunday night service and praise God that they did that for them. And every week they were at the Indian school when they were allowed to go, back in the day when you were allowed to go to the Indian school, every week they went and ministered. But we can live in the glory days. Just talk about the old stories. But you know what? God says those were then. I want to do something today. You see, the children of Israel couldn't just live back in the day with Abraham. No, all of a sudden Moses had to come on the scene. No, they couldn't live in the day of Moses. No, they needed to move forward and live with King David. No, they couldn't live in just the days of King David. And then they, but the problem was they stayed there and they became a church that wasn't doing anything for the Lord. And all of a sudden sin came into the church and oh, Judah was destroyed. Then they get reborn. The country gets reborn and comes back. They build a new temple. And then when Jesus comes on the scene, they were so living in the past, they missed their present. We can't be living in the past. We've got to say, wow, you know what? I've heard about those days. I want to see them today. I want to see God do a new thing today. I want to see God do a fresh thing today. You see, if we're going to keep Christmas all the year long, we want to have the fresh thing. We don't want to just get excited one time a year. Let's get excited with Jesus every day. Because you know what? What did we learn about the Christ candle? <laughs> he holds it the secret to everything else. 
And He's the light of the world and we're supposed to be His light shining for Him, reflecting His light so others can see and come to know Him. Oh, let's get excited about 2019 and what the Lord's going to bring. Oh, hallelujah. I'd love to see... Oh, I, I'm believing for miracles for timing. I, I love to see Hal having that arm restored. Oh, glory to God. I love to see some great things happen in the lives of people in our church. And I believe He can do it. Lord, we just thank You and we praise You, Lord. This last Sunday of 2018, Lord, we look to dedicate 2019 to You, Lord. Not that we live in just... Uh, um, in a Christmas all year long that where we're just thinking about getting. But Lord, we live in that spirit of giving. That Lord, we will give out the message of the good news that Jesus saves to everyone that we meet. That Lord, we would do church outside of these walls, Lord. That Lord, we would help people to know you. For Lord, we're living in dark days. We're living in a time when the church is dying in America because the church is asleep and we, most Christians don't even recognize what's happening around them. But Lord, we who are your remnant, we who are awake, we who, that you're giving an opportunity, Lord, to help wake up the rest of the church for these, this last day revival you want to bring, Lord. Lord, we dedicate 2019 to seeing you move in our lives and the life of our church, Lord. Oh, Lord. Revitalize us. Renew us. Revive us again. We need you to move in our lives, Lord. We told so many good stories today about how you moved in the past. Started in Sunday school, Lord. But Lord, that was great. But Lord, we want to see you do it again in our life now. Oh Lord, we dedicate this new year to seeing you revive us and bringing a great awakening to your church, Lord. We praise you and we thank you. Help us, Lord, to be your children that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said. And you know,